2: From the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
3: Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 underway, Thursday edition. From Music City, alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, 6th and Peabody, our studio location daily with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. A lot to get. Trey Wallace uh, will join us in about 20 minutes with the latest SEC headlines from Outkick.com. He had a conversation uh, that was posted earlier this morning with South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer. We'll recap that, plus uh, dive into some other big topics. That is straight ahead. Plus, Armando Salguero uh, will uh, recap a bit of Super Bowl 56, but we'll begin to turn the page to what's about to happen across the NFL offseason and some of the bigger topics there. And we will look ahead to some players who may actually hit NFL free agency. That's later in today's show. Uh, If you missed the conversation between Dockich and, and Charles Barkley, Withrow watched it live, said it was fantastic. Barkley had plenty to discuss on name image likeness in college sports. I can't wait to watch this chat. What's up? It
0: was it was great, and boys, I don't know if it's because we were in LA last week or because our shows have just been so terrific this week, this <laughs> week has really flown by. It has Hi. been a fast uh, week. It's been a fast week. I look up and it's Thursday, and it feels like it should be Tuesday right now, um, but it's it's been a fun week so far. Really fun conversation with Dan Dockich and Charles Barkley. So many takeaways that I have from it. I, I would tell everyone to go watch. He was on for a full hour. I don't think they took a break, and uh, he kept talking, but... Barkley is very down on NIL and the impact it's going to have on college sports. He brought up the example of his buddy Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. Dan asked a question about the struggles with Patrick Ewing, and Barkley Hmm. said, Look, you know, I haven't really talked about it, but I'm sad to see this. They're just not very good, and he may very well lose his job. But he brought that up in, in terms of NIL and said, You know, Georgetown is a very good academic institution with a good basketball history. But Georgetown alums aren't going to pony over a lot of money to go get, I think he phrased it as some brat out of high school that wants to get guaranteed NIL money before playing a game at Georgetown. So you're further creating the haves and the have-nots. And he joked, he said, I'll tell you one conference that'll be just fine is the SEC. Because what the SEC does is they never get outbid, especially in football. They keep up with the Those jobs. programs will find a way to pay money. To ensure that they're getting good players. Now, then the competition becomes against all the other SEC teams and how they kill each other over the course of recruiting and with NIL. Uh, but really good stuff from, from Charles Barkley, whether you agree or disagree. Um, he was also, you know, we talked to Dan Dockich yesterday about Zion Williamson, and uh, he said, look, Zion Williamson needs to lose some weight. You know, he needs to get in shape, and someone needs to tell him that. And he brought up the story about Moses Malone telling Charles Barkley that. Well, Dan put it on a T for 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 sir charles and asked about moses malone's impact on his career while dan said you know he brought him up to a hotel room and just tore into him about his weight the way charles barkley described it was moses malone called me to a hotel room and just calmly sat me down and said if you're going to be as good as you can be you're going to you're going to get in better shape so meet me at 7 a.m tomorrow we're going to train together and we're going to lose 10 pounds in the next two weeks said so two weeks passed worked out with moses Lost 10 pounds. Hey, let's keep doing this. Let's lose 10 more pounds. Before you know it, 10 weeks passed, and he's down 50 pounds, from 300 pounds to 250. He feels a lot better. He's moving better. Knees and feet feel better. And he thought, you know, Moses Malone knows a thing or two about playing in this league, so I'll probably stay at this weight at this point, and said, the problem with players today, sounds like an old man, get off my lawn, but he said, I'm going to say this now on your show about Zion Williamson. It's going to go somewhere. And Zion Wimps is going to hate me forever because yeah. I said this, and he's not going to take the criticism well of what I'm saying. He said, everything I hear about Zion is he's a great kid. I want him to do well. This is not me making fun of him, but he needs someone he trusts and respects to tell him, you need to get in shape. And then Charles joked, you know, if I was making $40 million a year, he said, I, I wouldn't eat for the rest of my life. I would completely do away with food forever if you were going to pay me that much. He said, I was losing weight to make five hundred grand a year at the time. Really, really good conversation and brought up a lot of different issues about, you know, it, it, I had the same feeling, guys, that when I watched the last dance, sort of reminiscing about the, the, the NBA golden age versus today, and Charles Barkley didn't duck it. He said, most of the games aren't very watchable now because there's no strategy and it's both teams just chucking up a ton of threes. Well, they're having
3: to gimmick up the, the regular season now where you have the commissioner, Adam Silver. Uh, discussing the possibility of adding in that regular season tournament yeah, that won't even be next year. They can't schedule it in for even next season. This is like two years in advance. They would do a regular season tournament that would have some impact on the playoffs.
0: Well, it's great the way he phrased it. He said, now it's just two teams throwing up a bunch of threes. And then at the end of the game, the analysis is, well, this team didn't hit their shots and this team hit their shots. He said, well, there's a number of ways to play basketball that doesn't involve taking a ton of threes and there's no strategy in today's game. And Paul, you have brought this up too, a reason you don't like the NBA today and the reason Charles Barkley doesn't like it as much because the coaches have no power. He said outside of maybe Doc Rivers and Greg Popovich, there's not a coach in the NBA that has the courage to go after a player because they know that player's making so much more money than them that it's going to be them on the chopping Just block fire. and not the player. And the great illustration he said was Billy Cunningham was our coach in Philly. And he said, it didn't matter if it was Dr. J, me, Moses Malone, if you showed up for that bus 30 seconds late, that bus was leaving your ass. And he didn't care. He said, nowadays, I hear stories about players showing up 20 minutes late with fast food under their arm. Not only are they late, but they decided to be late by going to get food first. (laughs) And the the coach is sitting in the front seat just waiting on them, not even disciplining them. And he said, "That, that was different back in the day.
2: Yeah, I look forward to listening uh, to that. Yeah, same. He, he's so good. I've got a question for you guys, uh, Olympic-related, and I don't know if you know this story. Michaela Schifrin, uh, our best skier, one of the best skiers of all time. She has an Olympic name that I know, okay. that I think
0: everyone knows and has, has heard of her.
2: All right, so since last Olympics, 2018, she uh, finished 61 of 62 giant slalom races, I believe. Um once she won 13 of 14 races in a in a stretch only twice did she finish off the podium so she gets gets to these olympics and she she struggled she missed a gate the fifth gate in her best event giant slalom and was out of it she messed up slalom also so she comes to the combined which is the downhill which she skied yesterday Did pretty well, finished a half second off the lead, which is a pretty good position for the best giant slalom racer to be in, right? She comes in to today. If she skis her race and giant slalom, making up a half second shouldn't be that tough, and she should be in medal contention. But they interview her last night. She actually skied that downhill on somebody else's skis, just kind of experimenting around. And they ask her about her confidence level, and she says, listen, I, I'm i confident, but in my head, I keep seeing myself missing that fifth gate. I think this is pretty candid. I think a lot of athletes who've messed up will tell you, will put on a facade of confidence, right? They are thinking about missing that fifth gate, but what do they say? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go out there and kick ass tomorrow. I have no doubts. Take this to any sport you want, right? A guy missing free throws, a guy who misses, is in a shooting slump, a guy who – you know hasn't scored in a long time a guy whose completion percentage is down whatever I thought I really respected that she said this you know she looked right at the camera and she's saying I I, I want to feel confident I know I can do this but I keep seeing myself missing that fifth gate and, I, and this morning she missed a third gate
0: yeah oh I I love it I love the honesty with it and I think that is a nice peek into the mind of an elite athlete, even the elite athletes out there, that something bad happens or you're constantly thinking about something and even if you try to block it out, sometimes it it doesn't work. And I applaud that honesty with it. You're not going to get that level of honesty. And I also think, Paul, it's it's a different a lot of times in individual sports versus team sports. You wouldn't see a lot of American team sport athletes say something like that. But when it's an individual sport, you can say something. The element of... Life or death with a downhill skier and the speeds you're going also, I think, lend itself to you, you better be knowledgeable about whatever anxieties or fears you have going down a mountain at the velocity they're going down a mountain. What are the G, What's the G-force so with it? I, I think that her Something saying ridiculous. that is, is terrific. And now, it's today great.
2: she says, I feel like a joke. And, of course, she's getting destroyed. Destroyed for not producing as if she's a massive failure. I have a hard time seeing her as a massive failure. I mean, we know the Olympics are this one shot, you know? And if you make a mistake or something goes wrong you know, mentally and you hit a gate and then you can't get it out of your head, I mean, she finished 61 of 62 races in the last, in the last four years. She she missed the podium twice in 62 races. Yeah, You're going to call her a dog for, for failing in this race? I, I feel bad for
0: olympians especially decorated olympians when they just don't perform well i i, I rarely think oh you know Choker. what a choke artist um outside of what was it uh, dan was it uh, remember yeah, dave, dave, was, and dan? dave and dan that was a marketing yeah, that campaign was, they weren't that, that good. was a marketing campaign that that backfired but yeah I, I typically just feel bad for that person i'll also say you know this is this is one of those that i think people will try to broaden the scope of what she's saying and the fear she had going down the mountain and make it a mental health issue. And I don't think this is a mental health issue. I think this is a natural anxiety for an athlete that's had something go wrong that has to overcome that hurdle. That could be said about a lot of different sports. So I, I, do, I don't want it to go into, oh, well, now she's opening up about mental health. No, I, just, health the, I just I love I, the I that. Yes, the honesty. That she's candid about it and that she's not afraid to say it. That's what I applaud more than anything
3: else. Guys, uh, this is a topic I I want to dive into further, maybe later in the show. Uh, We've got Trey Wallace coming up in about 15 minutes. But some news out of Nashville um, from Axios and Nate Rao, who is reporting that the Titans are not just considering renovating Nissan Stadium. They are in talks with the mayor's office and John Cooper's administration about building a new stadium from the ground up in Nashville. Which is
2: something Amy Adams Strunk told you and I at, um, at the Hall of Fame, she did not want.
3: Yeah, that's right. She was more along the lines of what the Miami Dolphins did. She used that as the, the, a specific example. The Miami Dolphins, a couple of years back, uh, reopened the renovated Hard Rock Stadium, which was roughly a $500 million, give or take $100 million, I don't know, around that area. Uh, upgrade and renovation, and I'm a huge fan of that stadium. There's not a bad view in the house. Um, 70% of the stadium is covered by a canopy of some sort. Uh, while it's not a dome, it's uh, very inviting for people in South Beach if you're looking for a big event. But uh, Nate Rowell says, and this is, this is per Axios, Why it matters. A new stadium would be a dramatic centerpiece in the team's broader plan to transform the riverfront in East Nashville with the ambitious mixed-use redevelopment project. The the emergence of a possible new stadium resets negotiations that have been underway for months. And driving this news is renovation talks recently took a turn as the two sides discovered the price tag for necessary upgrades at Nissan Stadium had unexpectedly skyrocketed. So I think what has led this uh, down the road is Nissan Stadium just finished 23 years and the renovations were going to cost around $600 million. and now the expected cost according to Axios is double that. So if it's double 600000000 million, they're already spending over a billion on renovations. And if that's the case... They're now considering building a brand-new stadium if the city and the team could come to terms on what split that's going to be. Of course, Bud Adams, when he moved the team from Houston to Nashville, got a sweetheart deal, deal and the property over there is uh, not being used to the full advantage, and that's what the team is trying to do now with uh, that, that side of the riverfront. If you've been to Nashville, on one side of the river sits the stadium literally on the other side connected by a pedestrian bridge is downtown and broadway the footprint is perfect um and the titans have full control on their side of the river of that property and they're considering building a brand new stadium for years we have been talking here in nashville about the renovations but we've never considered the new stadium and if it's a new stadium they're not just in line to play some NFL games here. They're looking to host the college football playoff and the Super Bowl in Nashville.
0: And so this is almost the equivalent of, you know, you, you get in a wreck with your car and you go in and they say it's going to cost this much for repairs. And then you look at the cost of, well, what if I just got a new car and didn't pay all this for the repairs and decided to get the new car? That seems to be the, the cost assessment here from the Titans on what it would take to build a new stadium versus the improvements. Am I understanding this correctly, that the mixed-use development and revitalizing that side of the riverfront would also be included in this? That this would not just be a stadium renovation, but that the Titans would also have some sort of access or control to do. condos, to everything else that are, that's there? And this could be a part of that.
3: Everywhere you see a parking lot is in control by the Tennessee Titans.
0: So they could build whatever they want around that stadium, and it's theirs.
2: Well, I think that's that, been see. The to me, this is this a River North. Well, this is area. a no brainer
0: then to build a new stadium and make well, there are, all of this around it a part. But of a it.
3: part of this, they're already they've already released some renderings internally about renovating and building up what Paul saying, the River North. Um, and a part of the stadium renovation was always going to be taking away parking and adding more things around the stadium, but this is completely larger than any scope we had projected or heard them discuss publicly or privately, which is a brand new stadium. I think a part of the entire plan was always the concrete of the stadium would be the concrete of the stadium. You build around it and you add to it, um, this is taking it up a notch completely. Not just taking it up a notch. This is starting from scratch and building a palace.
2: Um, I don't know if you've gotten far <laughs> enough into it. It, it, it. Does it sound like they'd knock it down and build it there and find an alternative for a couple years? Or would they play in that building right next door to it, killing parking for... A couple of years, but not, uh, I'm wondering if they're playing the way, at Nashville SC Stadium. Yeah,
3: that's a good question. I don't know. The, the way I read this is that the the site is where they want it to be. It's a perfect the, site. The problem with the renovations is it was built to a point where I think it's very difficult for them to add a lot of steel and uh, more, for lack of a better term, guts to the Bricks stadium because of the, the the way it was built to begin with. Um, there's a lot of structure that must be added in, and it's going to cost them much more than what they would have thought maybe a couple of years ago
2: don't get carried away This is coming from the mayor's office the trappers quoted roof. in all this don't yeah. get carried away envisioning a retractable roof and all of that. I do not expect them to go that direction on a renovated building or on a new building and I think a retractable uh, roof is a stupid if
0: idea if they're building a new stadium it's, it may not be retractable, but there will be a roof that would be my guess. Why else would you do it? I mean, they're they're trying to attract Final Four in this article. Final Four, yep. of Super Bowl, college football playoff. All of that comes with a roof. It doesn't without a roof. So they're going to add a roof to it. Yep.
2: I just... Uh, you disagree? I don't disagree. I just don't Winter think-
0: concerts are mentioned here. I mean, a lot of possibilities open up. If they have a brand-new stadium with a roof on it,
2: Nashville is getting a Super Bowl. That is going to happen. Getting a Super Bowl... To me, it's not all it's chalked up to be. And who's funding a project? A roofed stadium these days costs several billion dollars. So I, mean, I know they're doing creative things to, to fund it. But at a certain point, you're asking the city to pay. And the city has paid for a lot of stuff.
3: They'll pony up more if these if these events are coming i mean if the nfl says we're bringing a super bowl to the city um and you have a dome you're in the rotation it's not just a one off yeah so well
0: how they sell it is they say it's going to it's going to bring x amount of tourism dollars and tax benefits to the city and it will it will cross out whatever cost to the city quickly from all of the different events that'll come in and everything else i mean they're going to church up the numbers and massage it in a way that they're going to show such a big financial impact that's going to come back into the city with things they can do for Davidson County that it would cross it out pretty quickly.
2: I, I, I know I'm a maverick. That's what they're going to say. I know I'm a maverick here. I don't want a dome in Nashville, Tennessee. I like outdoor football in a city like this, which has good outdoor football weather.
3: I prefer outdoor football as well. I do well. too. Um that's no, just I understand. not
2: uh indoor concerts and and all of that.
3: Well, but I think I think owner NFL NFL teams now are in the business of more than football. They're about football? Yeah. You're but right. they're about their venue being used 12 months out of the year and not for 10 weeks out of the year, 10 Sundays out of the year or 10 days. Um this this is about becoming the Bridgestone Arena across the river and hosting the mega events, everything from uh, a Super Bowl to a WrestleMania to a Final Four to a college football national championship. I mean, I, I, I was saying playoff. This could go to the title game. Right. Um, and you could do this on a rotating basis. That would be something that I think most people in Middle Tennessee have never imagined coming. I'm with you,
0: Paul. I, I, I prefer outdoor football keep in for mind. my viewing experience, but it, I think they're going to... so. Save. Eight home games in an NFL regular season, or nine, you know, we'll we'll have the trade off for those that prefer outdoor football with all the other events that could come in.
3: And I think you know they're looking. I think initially they're thinking we're going to renovate what we have, and we're going to partner with the city. The city's partnering with the Titans, and they're going to come up with something. And then estimates came back, and if you're already spending over a billion on renovations,
2: yeah, we might as well, we might as well go all Allegiant
3: the way. Stadium costs what three billion. Yeah, I think so. Um, and SoFi, we're not expecting SoFi to be built here. Four to five. SoFi was $5 billion because it went way over cost, and they had to dig like 70 feet deeper on these steel trusses that they put into the ground. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's fascinating. And here are, the, here are the big events that Nashville will now be opened up to, more than just an NFL draft. They become one of these cities.
2: Build, yep. build some roads also is my plea
3: well that that see now you're in talks with the city the tennessee titans are not in the business of the tennessee department of transportation no
2: i'm saying the tennessee department of transportation needs to keep up with the times if they're building i mean they need to do it anyway um because of the city's growth but if you've got 80,000 people heading over there for football games concerts and they're filling it for as many dates as they can, um, they're going to need to have better ingress, egress, generally speaking.
3: Well, we will uh, get back to this uh, coming up later in the show. It's one of the big headlines today. We've got Trey Wallace coming up, SEC headlines, and uh, including some quarterback discussion. He released his list for spring football on the top quarterback situations for 2022, coming up next month and in April, we'll ask him how he came up with this list and some surprising names not in the top five. And we'll get into his conversation with Shane Beamer from South Carolina. That is coming up on Outkick 360. First, though, Aurora Science and VitaLifeScience.com. V-I-D-A LifeScience.com is the website. Outkick 360, mentally sharp and healthy through Aurora. Uh, you, you can be, too. You can receive 15% off with a discount just by using the code OUTKICK360 at checkout. That is good for all season ticket holders of OutKick360. If you're listening right now, you certainly qualify. Typical pills and capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in these supplements in small, very small amounts. But here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements, encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. Vitamin C, vitamin D3, glutathione, and so much more. VitalifeScience.com. V A V I D A V I D A LifeScience.com. Use the code OutKick360 at VitalifeScience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by
2: Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous
3: friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. If you're listening uh, across the Upper Cumberland, Sports Radio 104.7, SOMO Sports Radio in Missouri down in uh, the great state of Alabama with Foxport Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Huntsville, Florence. We say hello to you, and we say hello to Trey Wallace from Outkick.com, uh, who gives great coverage on the SEC and will be giving solid coverage on the Daytona 500 and beyond. Trey, um, I- I'm sure you would love to head down to Daytona, but nonetheless, you've got connections within the NASCAR circuit, and you'll be covering the race.
1: Yeah, I, I look forward to it. It, it. It'll be something new this year. Do a little NASCAR coverage as well. Yep. Um, I'll I'll put bias aside and not root for the 23 car openly. <laughs> um, but, uh, but maybe I can get down there and get Michael Jordan to sign one of his rookie cards for me. That'd be nice. So, not bad. No, but I, I look forward to it, and, and it'll be fun. Everything starts tonight on Fox and uh, get the Daytona 500 on, on Sunday. So it'll be interesting.
0: Trey, I enjoyed your piece, uh, your interview with, with Shane Beamer, and I know this is going to be a part of an ongoing series uh, with SEC coaches that, that you're going to have at OutKick. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from a, a nice, long conversation you had with the coach the Gamecocks?
1: You know, it was interesting. It was only supposed to start off about 10 minutes, and, and me and Shane just got to talking, and we ended up it was 25 minutes long, and, you know, he's so likable, his character. Um, I, I think the biggest takeaway was when he, when he was talking about how his team didn't really – they didn't know if they bought in or not until after that that bad loss to Texas A&M. And we saw how they performed before that. You know, you're getting blown out by Tennessee and whatnot and not playing well against others. And, and then you come back and, you know, they have a week off after the Aggies game. And they go down that stretch, Chad, where, you know, they beat Florida at home. They beat Auburn. You know, they win their last three out of five. You beat North Carolina towards the end. For, so for him to come out and say, hey, look, you know, we had a gut check. You know, maybe not everybody was bought in during that first half of the year. Um, you know, but once we got back to to Columbia, they had a long meeting. And they were like, hey, look, we can be successful here. But you've got to buy into our program. And I think you saw that over the, over the last five games, even in the losses, that close loss to Missouri. Um, so... You know, for him to be open about that and, and talk about some of the struggles that they had, a lot of people forget they played four quarterbacks in 2021. There's not a program in the country that did that last season. Um, So for him to be open, but also to say this, Chad, that they were hurting so bad when it comes to experience at the quarterback spot, they had to go out and find somebody big, like they have done now with Spencer Rattler. He talked about, look, with, with Luke Dottie, being injured and still coming back uh, with Jason Brown leaving, you know, who played a little bit this year, Zeb Nolan going back to a GA spot. They needed somebody big, and they went out and got that. And it actually started with Austin Stogner, the tight end, who kind of put it in Spencer's ear that uh, South Carolina might be the place for him to end up at.
2: How much rehabilitating of Derek Dooley can the great Nick Saban do?
1: <laughs> it's the uh, Nick Saban Rehabilitation Clinic, Paul. Uh, that's what we're calling it. That's what we've been calling it. Um, I mean, you, you look at Derek Dooley, and, and look, they, they have a former relationship. That's good, previous relationship. Um, they've coached together before. I think Nick Saban knows what he's getting out of Derek Dooley when you bring him on as an offensive analyst. Um, and and I think, look, you got to let go by Missouri. He's been let go by the Giants now, and and you know him as a whole. Maybe being let go is maybe different. Besides Joe Judge being fired, but you know he found a spot, I guess, at Alabama. And, and I think that when it comes down to it, you know, maybe in maybe in two years, Derek Dooley can come back and he can learn some things down there, and he can be a coordinator um, in, in in the SEC or somewhere else, or maybe he goes and gets another Group of Five job, you know, like he had at Louisiana Tech before taking the Tennessee job. So. We'll see. I think it's, you know, for him, I'll say this. For Tennessee fans, it's probably not the coach they thought that was going to end up in Saban's rehabilitation clinic, but Derek Dooley will do, I guess.
3: Dooley definitely wants to coach. He's a diehard when it comes to that because he's followed Joe Judge and a part of that staff who had connections, of course, with Saban. And uh, now he links back up with Saban as he looks for a job and looks for the next uh, trampoline jump to another job. Well, Trey, I, I'm – Go ahead.
1: It's crazy. I'm sorry. It's crazy how many former Tennessee coaches were actually on that giant staff. Yeah. that are now out of jobs. I mean, it was, you know, Kevin Shearer, Craig Fitzgerald, Link Gatewood in the strength and conditioning, Jeremy Pruitt, you know, Derek Dooley. Uh, 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 so it, it, it just, you know, kind of – it all comes back around to Tennessee, as somebody told me last night, which is very weird.
3: I'll, I'll tie in your top five quarterback situations going into spring practice by saying you did not include – Shane Beamer's new quarterback, and Spencer Rattler. He was among the honorable mentions there. South Carolina's returning all their starters. Beamer made a point to, to, to say that with you, uh, except for their quarterback situation, which should improve. So he's op- very optimistic. You're optimistic on other programs outside of Rattler joining Beamer, and Beamer had the connection with them at Oklahoma. Um, which, which, which QB did you have the toughest time Considering over Rattler at this point because he was right outside your top five.
1: I, I, you know, going back and looking at it, somebody like Will Levis yeah. from Kentucky, um, I think that was tough. And, and, and I'll give you a reason about the Spencer Rattler thing. I want to see how Spencer Rattler handles himself during spring practice. I want to see him be able to pick up whatever offensive scheme that Shane Beamer is going to run. And I want to start hearing word out of South Carolina. Word right out of the SEC, you know, what's going on with Spencer. He's a good quarterback, and he's going to help South Carolina next year. Um, but I, there, were, there were also too many questions, you know, talent-wise, yes. Talent-wise, I think you could say, okay, top five quarterback, okay, maybe number five, number four. But, you know, to throw him in immediately once he's joining the conference, I think that's kind of a different story. I I think we need a a wait-and-see approach and how things go over the next four months in Columbia before we start, you know, promoting him as one of the top five returning quarterbacks or top five SEC quarterbacks heading into spring practice. He's got some work to do when it comes to that. And, you know, I I even kept Stetson Bennett out of it um, just because who knows what's going to happen in Athens, you know, is – Stetson Bennett going to be the starting quarterback next year? We're going to find out. We'll see what the other quarterbacks do during spring, and if Kirby makes that decision and goes with it, he does, but I still don't know if he is one of the best quarterbacks all around um, coming back to the SEC, so that's why I kept him out of it, too.
0: Trey, was the atmosphere as good as it looked on television between Tennessee and Kentucky the other night at at Thompson Bowling Arena?
1: It's pretty amazing. Um, When you when you, when you have a matchup like this between Tennessee and Kentucky, a rival, and look, Tennessee fans hate Kentucky. Kentucky fans hate Tennessee. So when you get all that boiled up into an arena, and I'll tell you what set it off. You know, the technical foul on Calipari kind of got things rolling, Chad, um, but it was popping before the game. You know, fans were excited for it. Tennessee basketball, you know, they, 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 did, they haven't gotten a lot of good, Home games per se, uh, and, and the Tuesday night tip at nine o'clock didn't help. But I will say, man, crazy environment. Good on Tennessee and their, you know, the student section that showed up. And then when that scrum happened on the on the Kentucky bench, I'm telling you, it went to 100. As like some of the young kids like to say, it got to 100. It got real quick. And uh, and once you saw that Tennessee goes on a 17 to one run, the place erupts. And all of a sudden, Tennessee just beating up on Kentucky. So great environment. Uh, It will be like that next Saturday when Bruce Pearl comes to town, which I can't wait to see the reaction of Tennessee fans at that one.
0: You know, there's a lot of love coming in for Tennessee now after that game. And they've beaten, you know, two number one seeds in the tournament right now in Arizona and Kentucky. They got a shot at a third in Auburn coming up here in about a week and a half. But when you look at the top of the SEC, has anything really changed in terms of pecking order? Tennessee's got a big one at Arkansas on Saturday that will decide some of this. And there's some really good teams in Alabama and LSU right behind that top four group. But has anything really changed the pecking order, or is it just Tennessee asserting themselves offensively and showing, okay, maybe they can make a run in the NCAA tournament?
1: I think, Chad, I think things are filtering out a little bit. Kind of, you know, preseason expectations in a sense. Um you look at Tennessee right now offensively, look defensively they're locked down I mean they they play really good defense ever since that Kentucky game, you know where they got beat up and Kentucky shot over sixty five percent from the field again, Tennessee's gone back and they've locked down and and when you have when you're able to have a duo like Kennedy Chandler and Zachai Ziegler on the court at the same time um that helps them tremendously uh with what they're trying to do on offense, but especially on defense. I look at Tennessee overall, I think they're right there in that pecking order where they should. Kind of tied for second in the SEC right now. I don't think anybody's going to catch Auburn. I don't think Auburn's going to catch a loss. If they do, it might come at Tennessee. We'll see, though. They're playing too well right now, Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler. But you look at it, guys. I mean, we are just under a month away from the SEC tournament. And then March Madness is going to begin. And I think we're starting to see everything line up just how it should in the conference. Um, And Tennessee's up there. Alabama plays Kentucky this weekend on the road at Rupp Arena. Alabama's been so bipolar, it would not surprise me one bit if they go to Rupp Arena and they win that basketball game. Because we just don't know how good Ty Ty Washington's ankle is. So what I'm getting at is, SEC basketball has been a lot of fun because there's been a lot of unexpected uh, wins and losses this season. You know, and Arkansas is another test for Tennessee this weekend. Who's been playing tremendous basketball lately?
3: Follow Trey on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Read his work at Outkick dot com, which includes, uh, of course, all SEC, but also Daytona Daytona Five Hundred uh, this week, and of course, that is on Fox. Trey, appreciate you, man, and we will catch up soon. Thanks. Guys,
1: have a great weekend. Thank yep, y'all.
3: Same to you, uh, Trey Wallace. There coming up more uh, details. On uh, the NFL that you know is able to sell these massive stadiums and and get these built uh, across the country, the latest could be right here in in Music City, uh, and we'll give some context on where it could end up being if it's not exactly in that same footprint. Uh, we've got that plus uh, Deshaun Watson has added a couple of spots for his wish list on where he gets traded.
2: One of which is semi curious.
3: Yes. Uh, I, I think both. Both yep. are very interesting. That's next on Outkick 360.
2: You ready? Showtime. On
1: May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy.
2: Let's do doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah.
1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
2: Is the poster said?
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope.
2: Because I don't either.
3: It's not what I'm into right now.
2: What are you into? Talking. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The
1: Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
3: Sean Watson back in the news. He will uh, have his deposition on the 22, is it now twenty four? Women, or two others, I think added in late. Twenty-two uh, accused uh, him of it's a lot sexual misconduct. <laughs> Either way, it's a lot uh, and sexual assault. Yeah, we've uh, covered that extensively over the last few months. But uh, his deposition happens uh, as of right now on uh, this coming Tuesday, February twenty second. Outkick three hundred and sixty rolls on across the Outkick network. Um, he though continues to hit the news cycle with uh, his destinations on where he would like to be traded. And uh, according to reports he's put out there, he's, he's let Houston know he's interested in Minnesota and Tampa Bay, adding to the Miami talk where you know he's, he's connected with uh, several players on the Dolphins roster, but uh, it's definitely made it known that he wants to play for the Dolphins and be in the Miami area. And now Minnesota and Tampa Bay make the list as well. It's intriguing, Paul. And I don't know where you're headed here. Minnesota has Kirk Cousins.
2: Yeah, um, and there's been some talk of some Cousins movement. Um, I think he might be heading into the last year of his deal. I'm he looking is. that up right now. So, um, you know, and a new regime coming in, um, who certainly could get things fired up. I bring it in Deshaun Watson if if the fan base is willing to. To look to football and not to uh, to, to masseuse gate, if you will. Um, well, there's no
3: there's no way to make that deal in, uh, until well. You let, this, this, this cannot this awesome cannot
0: go to deposition. I mean, they have to be working hard right now. There's been no news coming out about like this John because said, they have to be negotiating. We haven't heard we haven't heard from Busby and the accusers. We haven't heard from Deshaun Watson's representation. Like, I feel like this could go down to the last minute. It may be next Monday. It may be next Tuesday, 30 minutes before the deposition. Dad's make things happen. He cannot get deposed. Like, they have to reach a settlement. If you're Deshaun Watson's camp, this should have happened a long time ago, but they have to be working hard to reach a settlement
2: before he gets deposed.
0: Because that's the only way. And if I'm Deshaun Watson's, again, take aside the criminal element of this and all of that. If I am his legal representation, and I am being the one that is out there fighting for Deshaun Watson's future, and his money-making ability. I sacrifice a few million dollars right now to make sure that these victims are happy with a settlement so you can go make millions back in whatever you go and do playing quarterback in the NFL, and you can start to put this behind you. So I don't know if there's some... If if it's like the uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association, and they're way off, and we're not going to have a baseball season probably as of this point, and they're that far off with this, or if they're close and it's down to three to $5 million or whatever it may be, I'm coming off of that money, or I'm at least telling Deshaun Watson, you need to come off of this money because you can make it back in earnings potential playing quarterback in the National Football League. It's not going to happen if you get deposed, and there's a, a criminal proceeding that happens after this. Uh, and
2: you're saying that, well, uh, also because if he gets deposed and still comes out of it, quote-unquote, okay, it, you— A a fan base, a city, a team is not going to be able to take on a guy who said this and that under questioning. How are you going to bring him in after he was exposed for X, Y, and Z, right? It becomes that much more difficult. Whereas now people have quieted down about the uh, the accusations and everything. Be I don't, some out of sight, heat. out of mind. There'll be some heat, but there won't be the same There's going to be some
0: heat wherever he goes, but that heat is going to be blotted out by the amount of people thrilled to have an elite quarterback on yep. their roster. If Minnesota, Tampa, wherever he ends up, their fans are going to embrace him because he's an elite quarterback. Look, if you're a fan And that's of- a sad reality of it for some people, but it, that's the and, truth And Houston, of it all.
3: Houston's going to have to move him now you know they could pay him 10 million last year to sit around and ask for this haul. enormous haul in draft picks and maybe they get something close to that or maybe they don't but if they are able to get him off their books this coming season they go from among the worst teams in cap in their cap situation and by the way it's not like they can release a bunch of guys anyway half their roster were, were under one year contracts they go from one of the worst cap situations to among the best immediately just by moving to Sean Watson. So they, they're, they're are, there's more reason to expect Houston to make that trade this offseason than during the year or prior to the trade deadline last year.
2: I think if you want Brady to resurface, you want Tampa Bay to acquire yeah. Watson because then they'll be done with the quarterback thing. They'll be more likely to release him or trade him at, at a reasonable cost when the time comes that he wants to resurface with a team that's in better position yes. to go and contend right away. If you're a fan of Tom Brady continuing to play, well, let me, if you're a fan of Denver or the Titans or one of these te- Titans would have obviously huge cap issues. I don't think it's going to happen, but if you want him to potentially resurface somewhere good, Tampa Bay needs to move on.
3: To me, there is just no way. Houston is getting anywhere close to what they're reportedly asking for. And two it, ones.
2: It, I think they'll get two ones.
3: Well, they were asking for like three ones Plus. and a, a second. or it, I don't know. It, I just don't see – like I, I didn't see it happening to that extent anyway. But now that everyone knows Houston's going to get rid of him based on the cap situation. And given the fact that the trade market this offseason could be incredible – with Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyler Murray. I mean, we can. I mean, again, we can keep going. Your Kirk Cousins,
2: Baker Mayfield.
3: Even. But uh, I mean, it, it's there it's are incredible options. how many. And I'm not saying well, all he's those quarterbacks. A, he's the
0: lost guy in this whole quarterback puzzle of everyone we're going to be talking about this offseason. He's the one. Yeah, the, he's the mystery piece that is a top five quarterback. But
3: if you want to move, arguably, him, when healthy, when w- when well, not healthy, when not being facing. Possible criminal charges. At this point, I mean, you can almost offer Houston something after these moves start. Uh, Again, I'm I'm spitballing here. You get a bargain, if not a bargain, something reasonable, something more reasonable. Because if if Houston wants to move him, well, while I'm not I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Deshaun Watson, the player safer, but the the situation I I can at least tell you Jimmy Garoppolo is likely to play, you know, 14 games next year. I can't tell you that Deshaun Watson is going to be available for any of them based on what happens over the next few months. That There's there's a huge risk and a, what could be a big reward on the field if you get Watson. But if you feel like you're a quarterback piece away from being a division contender, you're more likely going with another option. And I can – I mean, for sure you're going with Rodgers or Wilson – if you can have one of those two and those asking prices will be really interesting. Well, part. I
2: think if Rogers and Wilson are in fact being moved and Deshaun Watson's stuff is settled to a satisfactory degree to teams, the price on all of them probably comes down. Like if you're equally happy with all of them, you can put in the same bid for all three. And, and, yeah, but I don't think you're see. getting them.
3: I, I think you you can ask more for Wilson or Rogers because they are a guaranteed commodity. I, I don't, I can't tell you if Deshaun Watson's eligible right now.
2: Uh, I understand what you're saying, but because there are three available instead of one, I think the price right. is is, is uh, reduced on on all of them.
3: And you know, we we don't know for sure on Rodgers. I think you have to ask more to get the the deal done rather than have that team with the guy they have. And I still you know? think
2: only one of those three is moving. And so I think that Deshaun Watson, Watson price will be substantial, but not as substantial. John McClain, you know, has told us time and time again, they're not moving off that price. There's going to come a time where they're going to have to move on. I mean, he's due price.
3: like $30 million this year. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: interesting to think about getting the, the rebate, the, the bargain right now, if you do it before everything is settled, or at any time before it's settled, would Houston, and you're right, John McClain says no, but would Houston come off of that steep price? To deal him before the stop. And there is, is a
2: deadline. Uh, you, you've got to think there's got to be a pre draft deadline because some of these picks they're getting in exchange for him have to be used in this draft.
3: Well, the deadline, there's about a six week span because you can start trades on March 16th and the draft is April 28th. Right. But they um, can trade them now. Um, that's where that can begin. Say, Headlines know. when we return, including the top NFL players set to hit free agency next on kick 360.